Is he worthy? He is worthy. That's been the theme of our conference this weekend. If you're visiting with us this morning, this is the tail end of our missions conference, and the theme of the conference is really asked in the form of a question. Is, is it worth it to follow Jesus? So it's my uh, privilege to introduce our speaker uh, for this morning. Um, we've heard from Leonardo a couple times already this weekend, which has been a real blessing. He comes to us from all the way from Rome, so we are grateful to have him with us. It's a privilege and an honor to have him with us, and he's going to come and preach to us in a few moments here. Um, our conference text, kind of our theme text, has been uh, uh, Matthew 13, 44 to 46, the parables that Jesus tells about the kingdom of heaven. So I'm going to read those, and then also Colossians 2, verses 1 to 10, and then pray for us, and then Leonardo will come. So if you could turn in your Bibles, or if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you, and you can find the passages um, in the pew Bible on pages 819 and 983. So first I'll read Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46 on page 819, and then I'll read Colossians 2, 1 to 10 on page 983. So I'll give you a second to turn to those two passages, and if you wouldn't mind, please stand and join me in honor of God's word. You can follow along as I read. So first, the words of our Lord Jesus in Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up, then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now if you can turn over to Colossians chapter 2, on page 983, I'll read chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, from Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ." For in him 
the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. This is God's word. You may be seated. Un caro saluto nel Signore Gesù. I would like to go on with my mother tongue to preach this message, but I, I don't think it would be worth it to listen to uh, on your part. Uh, perhaps if, if I came back, come back uh, next year or in two years' time, maybe some of you might be able to follow me. But for the time being, it's a great privilege to be with you, and uh, I would like to take advantage of this opportunity to thank you all for your warm welcome and fellowship in Christ, for opening your homes and your lives to me and to uh, share with me the graces and riches of Christ in you. I've learned so much and I'm learning uh, much from you and uh, I'll be uh, processing what the Lord has been teaching to me since coming uh, this last Friday. And uh, I also bring you greetings from the church uh, in Rome uh, that is about to begin their worship service. It's uh, 5.30 p.m. in Rome and they are about to come together to praise God in uh, the Italian language and uh, to sing praises and to hear from God's Word in that beautiful language. Two stories. The first one. Once upon a time, a lady went to work as she was used to. Her job was to draw water from a well. Her thoughts were concentrated on how tough life was for her. Unexpectedly that day, as she was approaching the well, she met a man who was sitting nearby. He began talking to her about benefiting from a spring of living waters and becoming one for others. He, this man, opened up an entire new world for her, and she discovered a treasure that she had never dreamt about. That unexpected and unplanned conversation dramatically changed the course of her life. Second story. Once upon a time, a man was traveling a long distance to visit a holy city. His desire was to search for the God of the Bible, even though he belonged to another culture. He had traveled, invested time and energy, and he was now reading the Hebrew Scriptures. He was intentionally searching for God. And as he was traveling and meditating upon these things, he met a man who gave him the key to find what he was looking for, the treasure of his life. And that encounter totally changed his life. Now, these two stories help us to enter the world of our two parables. One is a story of someone who rather unexpectedly finds a treasure, not really looking for it, but happening to find it by accident. The other is a story of a merchant 
intensely and purposely looking for a pearl and eventually finding it. How did you find the treasure of Christ in your life? Perhaps in one of these two ways. Either Christ came to you all of a sudden while you were doing other things, or he came to you after a long and careful search. One of these two stories is your story. My story looks more like the first story. One day, as a family, we were visited by a young couple who were going door to door in our apartment block. We were not expecting them. No, my parents were particularly interested in religion. It just happened outside of our planning, but under the providence of God. That was a watershed event in our lives. Or perhaps some of you who are listening have not found Christ yet, the treasure of your life. And you wonder, what does it look like when one becomes a Christian? It may happen in different ways. There is no single pattern, and each story is different. However, these two parables are not focused on the mechanics of Christian conversion. They do not want to illustrate the process of one becoming a Christian. That's not their focus. That's not their goal. Their focus is rather on the nature of the treasure, the worth of the treasure, and what happens when one finds it. There are three questions that I want to draw your attention to in looking at this passage. These questions help us dig into the parables, and I want you to be honest in responding to them. And the first question is this. Is the kingdom of God the treasure of your life? Is the kingdom of God the treasure of your life? These stories talk about a treasure and a pearl of great value. And they associate the treasure and the pearl to what? The kingdom of God. God is the king and belonging to his kingdom having entered it, being a citizen of the kingdom, living under the just rule of the kingdom, being protected by the kingdom, and sharing our lives with other fellow citizens of the same kingdom. This is the treasure that these parables are talking about. The kingdom of God, the rule of God in our lives. Being in a reconciled relationship with King Jesus, this is the pearl. Living for him and with others, this is the treasures, the treasure we are talking about. We all have our dreams and thoughts about what our treasure should look like. Maybe our treasure is our husband or our wife or money, or pleasure, or possessions, or our family, or our career, and you can add other items 
which describe your treasure. These are the most common treasures for most people. What is in the list for you? What is in your list? If you had to write a list of what your treasure is all about, what would you include in that list? What is the treasure of your life? I know the answer. I've never met you, many, many of you, I've never met you before, but I think I know where your treasure is. And I don't claim to be omniscient. And I know I have special powers to know and to read in your minds. But I know what the Bible tells me. Earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Matthew 6.21 Your treasure is where your heart is. Where your heart is, your treasure is. Your treasure is in your heart, where your heart is. There is the place of your treasure. And so the question is, where is your heart? Once you find the place of your heart, you find where the treasure is in your life. So you don't need to wander around asking yourself, oh, what's the treasure of my life? Let me think about, where is your heart? Where is your heart? Where is the center of your life? Where is the center of your pleasures? Where is the center of your belongings? Is your heart in the kingdom of God and for the kingdom of God? Or is it in your personal little kingdom and for you only? Where your heart is, your treasure will be found. Is your heart reconciled with God or is it disconnected from Him? Where your heart is, your treasure will follow. You may ask, if the kingdom of God becomes my treasure, what about the other items? What about my husband, my wife, my family, my children, my career, my possessions, and so on and on and on? Will they no longer be valuable? If the kingdom of God is your treasure, the treasure of your life, all other important things of your life will receive their proper place and value. If God is the center of your life, all the rest finds its proper place. Outside of the kingdom of God, everything is mixed up and upside down. What is relative becomes absolute. What is created becomes an idol, pretending worship and allegiance. When God is recognized as king and we enter his kingdom, all the rest finds harmony and beauty. But if God is not the center of your life, everything else is mixed up and confused. Is the kingdom of God the treasure of your life? Where is your heart today? Are you wandering around looking for a treasure outside of Christ and messing your life up? Or is your heart loyal to the kingdom of God and therefore opened to be healed, restored, and generous. Let me ask you a second question. How do you measure the worth 
of the kingdom of God. How do you measure the worth of the kingdom of God? The parables, both of them, speak of worth, value. And this is an economic concept. Now, the kingdom of God, economically speaking, is priceless. You cannot buy it. Even if you are a billionaire. I still would like to know you, but you cannot buy it. You might think you are an important person, but you cannot buy it. You cannot purchase it. You may be rich, you may be famous, you may be important, you may be an achiever. But God's kingdom is priceless. Its value, it's beyond money, praise God. Beyond money, outside of the box of money, it is priceless. The kingdom of God was opened through the life, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who paid for our sins. Its objective worth is priceless. But what about its value for you, for me, for us? Let me give you one unit by which you can measure the worth of the kingdom for me, for you, for us today. Now, none of us can buy it. It's beyond all the money of the world. And none of us can deserve it. It is to be received by the grace alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. It is, in other words, a gift, a priceless value, a priceless kingdom received as a gift, totally contrary to our ordinary way of thinking. A priceless value received by as a gift because it was bought by someone who paid it on our behalf. A priceless gift from the king himself. It is a free entrance to the kingdom of God on the basis of a price paid by the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Its worth for us, for me and for you, depends on whether or not it comes first in your life. You, know, you may know if, where your treasure is by looking at where your heart is. But in order to know whether or not the kingdom of God is important for you, you should ask yourself whether or not it comes first in your life. That's the unit by which you can analyze and evaluate if the kingdom of God is worth it for you. Does it come first? The Lord Jesus in chapter 6, verse 30, 33, in the same gospel of Matthew, says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all the rest shall be given to you. Placing the kingdom of God first and expecting all the rest to follow and to find their proper place. Is the kingdom of God is, is on the top of the list of your desires, your dreams, your hopes, your energy, your vision, then it really counts for you. But if the kingdom comes second, or even next to something as important as the kingdom, then its value is diminished in your life. Either it comes first or 
it comes second and therefore its value is diminished. As the French reformer John Calvin in the 16th century wrote, we do not esteem the kingdom of God according to its real worth unless we are prepared to deny on account of it all that glitters in our eyes. If it comes first, it is the kingdom of God. If it doesn't come first, you are still subject to another kingdom, evil kingdom, that eventually will destroy you. When the man found the treasure, that treasure became the main thought of his life, the driving force of his energy. When the merchant found the pearl, that pearl became the main dream of his life. You see, first things must come first. What do you live for? What comes first for you? You see, the way we live shows the value we acknowledge to things. If our lives are mostly driven by our passions other than the kingdom of God, we are actually saying that for us the kingdom of God is not that important. If you are seeking first what we think is important without seeking first the kingdom of God, other things are more important for us than the kingdom of God. When the list of our priorities is not in order, the whole life becomes unbalanced and disordered. When Christ and His kingdom are not the centerpiece of our existence, our lives become shattered and upside down. They become ruined and poor. And the problem in so many lives is that they don't have Christ and His kingdom as the centerpiece. They look for solutions. They look for recipes. They look for easy answers to, to solve problems. But if Christ is not the centerpiece of your life, you may look around to find solutions to your life. And yet, your life will still continue to be upside down and messed up. Jesus Christ gave His life so that sinners like you and me could enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom of peace, the kingdom of justice, the kingdom of salvation. His gift to us was paid at the price of His life. What are we doing with the kingdom of God in our lives? Are we wasting our lives wholly concentrating on our own pursuits and self-referential goals? Or are we open to receive the gift of the kingdom, make it the passion of our lives, and give our lives back to God for Him to bless us and to use us for His glory and for the good of others? Let me ask the third and final question. So, is it worth it? Where is your heart? That shows where your treasure is. If your heart is not in the kingdom, you're still outside of it. You're still wandering around and losing your life. If your heart is in the kingdom, under the kingdom, then you begin to see life differently. How much value do you, you give to the kingdom of God? It depends if it comes first. 
God wants the gold medal in your life. If you think he is important, but not as important as deserving the first place, he is not God. He is an idol that you are exchanging for Almighty God. He deserves your first place. So is it worth it? As we have seen, some will find the kingdom of God almost by chance, as the woman of Samaria, as the woman of Samaria did when she went to the well and expecting to draw water, she found Jesus. That was not planned. It was not on her, on her diary, on her agenda. 9 a.m., meeting with Jesus. She had 9 a.m., drawing water at the well. And then Jesus entered her life unexpectedly, and her life was totally changed. Some may find Jesus and his kingdom after a long search as the Ethiopian eunuch. But whether it is immediately or after a long search, we have to recognize in Jesus the treasure of our life, the priceless pearl which is worth absolutely everything. If your heart is what that way towards him, fine. If you say instead, Christianity, Christ, the kingdom of God is fine, but I want to squeeze it into my own made-up life. I want to give it just a place, but not really allowing him to become the centerpiece of my life. If you just want another object to fill your home, another object to be placed on your wardrobe in order to be remembered once upon a time, if Jesus is an object to be placed in, your, in the temple of your life, which contains many gods, many idols, that's not the place that Jesus wants in your life. If your heart is, is not totally submitted to him, it will be worthless. The treasure and the pearl deserve your entire life. Not just 10%, not even 50%, not even 99%. Again, John Calvin, the great French reformer, is useful here when he says the gospel the gospel does not receive from us the respect which it deserves unless we prefer it to all the riches all the pleasures all the honors all the advantages of the world and to such an extent that we are satisfied with the spiritual blessings which it promises and throw aside everything that would keep us from enjoying them. The kingdom of God is worth it only if it comes first. Determining a complete reorientation of our own lives. Everything changes when the treasure is found. Nothing is left as it is when the pearl is found. There will be things in your life that will be downsized to their proper place. But the overall balance will be a gain and never a loss. 
in the economy of God's kingdom, when we leave aside things in order to appropriate the pearl of the kingdom of God, the overall sum is always a gain, never a loss. We leave something not to live it, but to re-get it under the rule of the kingdom of God. Never a loss, always a gain. When we appropriate the kingdom of God, we have to know that the transaction is always a gain and not a loss. We leave something in order to receive something better. These two parables are meant to teach us that man really convinced of the importance of the kingdom of God will give up everything to receive Christ and his kingdom. Jesus said that everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for the sake of my name will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. You see, when husband, wife, children, career, possessions, fields, they are the centerpiece of your heart, they will never deliver what you want them to deliver to you. But when they are left under the rule of the kingdom of God and Christ becomes the centerpiece, then you receive them back to you. And they, are, they take their proper value in your life. So is it worth it? And I liked Susanna when she responded, not only in one language, saying yes, but she responded with, Seven, eight, nine, ten different ways of saying yes. And I liked that she included see, the way which we would say in Rome. See, yes, ya, we, and many other ways. But yes, it is worth it. A hundredfold more than what you can even, even imagine. And I pray that these words of the Apostle Paul may be your words, my words, our words. The Apostle Paul knew that what was the value of the kingdom of God in his heart. And he was able to write the following words. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Are these your words? Are these my words? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for not allowing us to be ruined in the kingdom of darkness, looking for fake pearls and finding fake treasures. Thank you for sending your 
beloved son in the person of the Lord Jesus in order for him to pay the price for that enabled us to enter your kingdom. Thank you for changing the course of history. Thank you for those unexpected encounters in our lives that were instrumental in taking us to and leading us to the kingdom of God. Thank you also for those times of deep searching that helped us to dig into your word and uh, leading us to the kingdom of God. And I pray, Lord, that if someone in this room, in this sanctuary, is not yet part of this kingdom, has not yet entered the kingdom of God, it's on the threshold, she's on the threshold, or he's on the threshold, not knowing what to do, that the Holy Spirit will push him, push her inside, discovering the treasure of his life, discovering the pearl of great value, and confessing that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And for the rest of us, O oh Lord, we pray that the treasure of our life will always be the priority of our life. We always be at the top of our priority list. That the kingdom may come first and all the rest will find their place. We thank you for the Lord Jesus who made it possible for us to enter the kingdom by his grace alone, through faith alone, for the glory of God alone. In his name we pray. Amen.